Starcourt Study Hall contains spoilers for all seasons of Stranger Things. Episodes may also contain graphic content and language not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts unless otherwise stated, and all content and characters are property of Netflix and the Duffer Brothers. I'm Marina. And I'm Amanda. And this is Starcourt Study Hall. Somehow, some way, by the grace of the Mind Flare, we have arrived at Chapter 8 of Season 3 of Stranger Things, The Battle of Starcourt. Woo! We're here! We got here! We made it! We did it! It's time for a war. <laughs> cool. So let's get into our summary for this episode without, without further ado. We don't got any time. No, no further ado to be had. <laughs> <laughs> So this episode was written by... Wait a second. I should have mentioned that this oh, is... Yeah. This <laughs> we should have mentioned this. We should have mentioned this. This is part one of chapter eight, the Battle of Starcourt. It is. For the first time ever, we are splitting a chapter episode because this one was just way too much for one episode. Yeah. And we're never going back, by the way. This is yeah. the first of all of the rest of the split episodes. So... Yes. There's that in so, your future. Hope you like two-part chapter episodes, everybody. And three-part <laughs> for <Honestly>. some. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now we can get into our summary of part one of the Battle of Starcourt. This summary is obviously going to be the same for both chapters. <laughs> or, or both episodes. Okay. So this chapter was written by the Duffer Brothers, the DBs, and it was also directed by... The MFN DBs. The Mind Flayerin <laughs> DBs. That's right. This episode aired on July 4th, 2019, of course. Mm -hmm. And here is our summary straight from Netflix. Terror breaks out in the food court when the Mind Flayer comes to collect L. Deep beneath the mall, the future of the world is at stake. Please say less. <laughs> the word collect. Yeah. I just, I have a lot of questions. Like, I I have a lot of questions. Yeah, it, this is very minimal. <laughs> it is. And, like, was collecting the goal? Mm -hmm. Like, was that the goal? The, the goal was for the Mind Flayer to collect her? Or kill her. Right. But then why not use that word? Mm-hmm. Why collect? Why collect? And then, like, in my opinion, if collect is the goal, what was the plan here? Was the skin spider going to walk back through the gate and deliver her? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> don't mind Great me, question. boys. I'm just coming on through the Russian bunker. Just got to get in the elevator and come on down and, you know, <laughs> just make my way. I like the the implication that this interdimensional being needs to walk there. Yeah, like, it just doesn't... We're going to get into it, but yeah, let's do some fast facts that we're only going to do once because there's not multiple fast facts for right. this chapter. Same chapter. Yeah, so this is the only chapter that features a scene in the middle of the ending credits. Apparently, the Mind Flayer was supposed to ravage the fun fair and not the mall. Which I think this is kind of what we started to talk about in the VFX episode because you had yes. mentioned a parade. 
Right. Yes, yes, yes. But what I found was that it was supposed to be the fair. And I think that they definitely did away with this idea because how would they have covered this up? Right. Like literally (laughs) everyone would have seen this creature. Yeah. There would be no mall fire. I don't know. It just wouldn't have worked out. So I guess that's why they probably went with the mall. This is the last episode where Dacre, Montgomery, and Cara Buono are considered main cast. Which, again, I find really odd, considering Karen got her own poster for season four. It is bizarre. I don't get it, but whatever. Makes me kind of sad. These two were such a staple. I know. This season. And I realized, like, we really didn't talk about Karen much after the first couple chapters. True. Finally... At the end of this chapter, Steve and Robin leave the mall and change their clothes. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) They have been at the mall since Susie Do You Copy in the same clothes. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Wow. And then lastly for our fast facts, our last fast fact of season three. This chapter won an Emmy for Outstanding Sound Editing for a Comedy or Drama Series. Wow. That's yeah, it. That That's all out. they got. That's it. That was all they could give them. I know. I know, right? Unreal. All right. So let's get into our scene-by-scene breakdown for part one of chapter eight. Joyce, Murray, and Hopper are still making their way downtown to Starcourt Mall to find the kids. Hopper briefly questions Murray's translation skills, clarifying if he definitely heard food court over the walkie-talkie. Have Murray's translation skills let them down thus far? Didn't think so. Hopper stares at him nervously, and Murray attempts to ease his mind. They don't know for sure if it's their kids. Joyce is not having it, though. Who else's kids would it be? And I agree. (laughs) Such a valid point. (laughs) Like, who else? Nobody. Nobody else. (laughs) I like watching Murray, like, shift into this, like, it's going to be all right. Like, we never see him comfort anybody really like this and then he sees hopper just get very nervous and he's like we don't know it's your kids it's very nice of him because obviously it's their kids. it totally is but murray doesn't like what does murray know of these kids really besides true i realized maybe we'll get to it i didn't write this down but these three now have shared trauma so they do yeah i have a couple things i have how has the todd father become a main character (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it has this car this ep- this episode is officially a main character taking the place of dacre and kara apparently there it is yeah i also have that i can kind of see why hop would be a little bit confused about food court because last he knew l wasn't supposed to be at the mall so it's like <laughs> why are you at the mall young lady <laughs> <laughs> that's like his main concern <laughs> miss this is not okay you are grounded you are you are officially (laughs) grounded (laughs) and then my last note is just a a soundtrack dealer shout out Mm. because the song that plays here is so good it's very thumping and synthy and it's not released but the soundtrack dealer has it on youtube and it's called incision oh no (laughs) so gross (laughs) disgust well speaking of disgusting let's get into it okay at the mall, Elle is screaming in pain as the piece of the Mind Flayer in her leg starts to squirm. The group stares at her leg, unsure of what the hell to do, until Mike proclaims, There's something in there. Wow, thank you so much. Thanks, thank Michael. You, Mike. 
Jonathan gets an idea and sprints to find some supplies. He grabs a knife from a nearby food stand and uses the stove to sterilize it before returning to the group. Who got an idea? Yeah, Jonathan. Jonathan got a whole idea. I know. <laughs> I know. I We're going to talk about it more, but they really utilized Jonathan in this chapter. Yeah, they were like, there seems to be a character who we've just totally ignored. So let's yeah. just let him do everything in, right. in this chapter. <laughs> I know. I'm so proud of him. I also liked that he thought to be like, keep her awake and talking. Yeah, so true. Yeah, like, don't let her pass out. That was smart on his part. It really was. Yeah, the only thing I wanted to say about this little scene is Dustin in the background just going, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Big mood. (laughs) All of them in this, all of them watching this unfold. I feel like it was just, like, funny to see what they were all doing and how they were all reacting to this happening. Mm-hmm. But also, what is this group of people? We have Jonathan, Nancy, Steve, Robin, Erica, Lucas, Will, Mike, Max, and Dustin, and Elle, and all of these unlikely animal friends. Like, <laughs> wh- who are Steve and Will? Like, what business do these two have being together? <laughs> wow yeah have they like ever interacted i don't know we might have talked about how far removed will would be from steve before Mm -hmm. but also l and erica feels very random too it does it this might be the one and only time that they like are in the same vicinity yeah it's just such a random assortment yeah it is it is And then, just lastly, I need to point out how Jonathan makes a black body object by putting the knife in the flame, and it glows. So thank you, Planck's Constant, and Quantum Mechanics for that. Thank you. We learned something. We did. Meanwhile, Mike and Dustin try to elevate Elle to keep her from passing out, as Robin rambles on about the goalie on her soccer team injuring her leg once, and, like, the whole bone came out of the knee, like, six inches or something. (laughs) It was insane. Anyway, Jonathan gives Elle a wooden spoon to bite down on. He's going to cut her leg open now. The group looks on in horror, and me too, as Jonathan slices Elle's terrible wound. He <laughs> he uses he uses his fingers to try to, to, to extract the squirming piece of baby mind flare, question mark. But Elle cries in agony and insists that she can do it herself. Using her power, she rips the chittering demon from her leg and hurls it away. Just as it begins to make an escape, Hopper crushes it with his boot. The adults have arrived. Each time I watched the scene in like one context or another, I always accidentally ended up pausing it just as he's inserting his fingers into her leg flesh. (laughs) It was just like without fail. Every time I would pause, it would be that. And I just have to ask, is this the grossest thing we've seen on the show? Yeah, it might be. It, it might be the worst. This might be the nastiest thing that we've seen thus far. Like, even season four, while we do have, like, the body horror of the bones cracking and everything, this is worse. This is not that. This is not the same. This is, like, a close-up view... Of surgery. Of surgery. With fingers. Stop it. I don't <laughs> want finger surgery. <laughs> I, I have to look away. For, I cannot watch this. I have to look away. It's so... It's just... It's just... I mean... I'm not going to say anything, but <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. It's I, yucky, but it's bad. Again, I just have to shout out Jonathan yes. for this. 
so he had you know the idea that was awesome and then he does it action the man took action and i just said i would have fallen in love oh if i I was there like and i saw this come from like just the the sheer jumping into action and just doing what needs to be done i would be like hello okay i get it yeah i feel that and i also love how it's like I mean, first of all, this is the man who didn't want to kill a, a bunny once when Lonnie tried to make him shoot a rabbit. He was, like, yes. squeamish about doing that. And then he just does this. And it's, like, it's like his first little little brotherly act for Elle, I feel like. Like, he just yes. kind of, you know, jumps right in. And I like your point about how you would have fallen in love. And again, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. But, you know, maybe the man knows what he's doing. <laughs> oh dear oh but no i i actually love the point about it being like his first big brotherly act like it's it's selfless it is because we know that nobody wants to do this but we know for a fact that he is kind of squeamish about this sort of stuff yeah and i think for some reason we do tend to kind of forget everything that jonathan has done up until this point like Mm -hmm. i think about season one like he and even like them slicing their palms and like he really is an action guy he just has to be written to act like it's not his fault no i think he's underutilized and i think the dbs were like oh wait hold on yeah and and in this chapter he's suddenly like reaching his potential he is and he's also constantly juxtaposed with nancy who is almost too action oriented. So then in contrast, Jonathan just appears to be like a lasagna who does nothing. <laughs> but he actually, I think without the Nancy contrast, has a lot of potential to do a lot yeah. of things. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I love this for Jonathan. Me too. And just one more thing about the scene. Got to shout out Millie's acting here. Incredible. Talk about like, Emmys. It's so believable. It, it like makes me squirm it makes me want to crawl out of my skin watching her writhe around in pain yeah and it's yeah very good it is good before we move on i just want to focus in on robin because she's rambling on and on about all these random disgusting things <laughs> nobody knows who she is except <laughs> dustin steve and erica everybody's like yeah, who, true. who is this girl <laughs> and then she's also watching a young lady tear a tiny interdimensional wormy out of her leg through an incision with her mind Mm -hmm. and she's just expected to roll with the punches and she does she does shout out to robin for that yeah like what (laughs) i know she and is she the only well her and erica are the only ones there who have never seen Elle's powers yes that is true yeah so they're probably all like what what is this what is happening follow along as steve said yes at the end of the bite i'm imagining erica though because she like she like tangentially knows mike yes and must know that he has a girlfriend yes. but has never really met her and then he's like hold on mike's girlfriend has superpowers <laughs> yeah and then what happens between now and when dustin and lucas explain all of this to her in season four remember she's like yeah she's like i buy everything else but not this this part in season four when the five-star general comment is made remember and they're in the wheeler house yes detained by the police and she well she she does get a little bit of an explanation of it in the in the vents 
yes. when her yeah. and Dustin are talking, and she's like, "I believe everything except that Lucas was <laughs> except there. That Lucas had anything to do with this." Yeah. Okay. All right. She had the gist of everything that kind of happened in seasons one and two, but then obviously season three she was part of, and then by season four they had to fill her in on what was happening at the time with Vecna. Right. Like she was she was in on the main parts of the story. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Clear. Oh gosh we can't move on without talking about this the the blood spatter on the camera lens oh i didn't notice that you didn't no. oh yeah it gives me chills oh, like when, when go hopper, back. hopper squishes the thing under his boot there is blood spatter on the cam like you Ooh. know the quote-unquote camera lens yeah that's a good detail i didn't notice that there are now 14 people here with the adults just saying oh my goodness 14 people i counted several times just to be sure that's quite a group a, a whole party you would need to like pay tip on a bill automatically <laughs> if you took everyone out to dinner <laughs> so true <laughs> with the whole gang reunited mike and nancy fill us in on all of the major plot points the mind flayer it built this monster in hawkins to stop l to kill her and pave a way into our world hopper asks how big the monster is so the kids tell him it's about 30 feet tall and it sort of destroyed his cabin I'm sorry <laughs> his face <laughs> as steve clarifies that the big fleshy spider thing is a gigantic weapon made of melted people hop cradles a very pale looking l max will and lucas deduce that they could kill the skin spider if they can close the gate again theoretically i just want to say that steve clarifying all of these details feels like the duffer brothers knowing how ridiculous this all is and they yeah. need us to know that they know that this is all ridiculous yes like that's like they're t them telling us we know that this is absurd like okay yeah the fleshy skin spider okay yeah just making sure full of <laughs> dissolving people and melting yeah. gigantic weapon made of melted people i never noticed until this scene that you wrote that hop is holding l and icing her head he is he's like he's he is he's cradling her mm. it's sweet they get this really nice couple of moments together yeah before the end okay i also why is no one like okay so if we close the gate the brain dies the body dies great and so does billy <laughs> no no one's gonna mention that that's a good point like literally nobody was like okay but what do we do about the fact that billy's possessed yeah like like in season two everyone was like yeah. make sure that we time the gate closing with will right. being exercised nobody's thinking this way about billy no they're all just like yep well he's gonna die i know what it is hmm this town is not big enough for two williams <laughs> there can only be one william so this one's disposable yeah that must be it you're so right nobody not even max and like there are a no. number of times throughout this chapter that max makes a point to be like uh you're gonna kill him aren't you yeah why not now <laughs> right how did that not come up that's a good point yeah very he's, odd. yeah he's the only one who's still flayed and and you know salvageable yeah oh i know i hate this me too did you happen to catch nancy's impatience with steve here <laughs> no so when Steve rambles on about the big fleshy spider thing, there's a gigantic mm -hmm. weapon made of melted people. Nancy's like, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> like she gets like very like she like barks at him and Jonathan looks at her like, you OK? And then Robin like does like a quick like eyebrow raise at it. And it's just I don't know. 
I love that. Yeah. And Nancy is just like something about Steve. Just like mm. put her into her. Off. Yeah, it does. Why does the sign in the mall just say the star court? Hmm. Maybe it's like the the food <laughs> the food court is called the star court. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I just had to Makes ask. No sense. All of a sudden, Murray comes hustling through the mall, Alexi's blueprints in hand. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> wow. Can we get a clip of that? <laughs> he shows the group the layout of the Russian bunker, identifying several areas. The hub, the vault room, and then the approximate location of the gate. However, Erica promptly decides to shit all over the adults' plan to infiltrate the bunker, explaining that if they listen to Mr. Bun Man, they're all gonna die. <laughs> After Erica calls Murray a bald bastard, Dustin intervenes. He points out that the bunker has a ventilation system that will lead them right to the gate. Hopper can do all the cool, dangerous hero shit, but Dustin and Erica will be their navigators. Hop says no. Nope. <laughs> yeah, for once, I'm with the adults on this one. Yeah, and I don't think I realized at first that the, that what Dustin was implying was that they would go with them. Yeah. <laughs> And then I was like, why is Hop so opposed to them navigating? And then I realized it was because Dustin was like, we'll go with you. You can do all the hard work and we'll just walk walk you through. Absolutely not. No. Tiny <laughs> no child, way. sit down. Yeah, I'm with Hopper on that one. <laughs> you thespian. <laughs> Theater kid. <laughs> Literally, right? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I kind of would love a, like a Dustin Murray spinoff. Me too. I want to see these two interact way more. Same. Like, they would be so funny together. Yeah, like, even just their them both, Plank's constant clicking for both of them, like, that Murray knew that. Yeah. Like, I think they would be a great, a great spinoff. Mm-hmm. I just have one more thing. It's only, like, for me, because it took me this long to realize what was happening. <laughs> so, the hatch in the room, filled with the canisters of the Prometheum, mm -hmm. leads right to the base of the weapon yes and this is the vent that dustin and erica escaped down right before steve and robin were taken and captured mm. and then they come up out into the room with the prometheum right right okay that is helpful that's yeah. for me too that's yeah. helpful because i was like this whole this whole chapter to be quite honest is very confusing mm -hmm. like it really is there's a lot of things that i realized that i didn't realize just watching it again for like however yeah. many times so that clicked in my brain what they meant when they said that the ventilation system leads right to the gate if you mm -hmm. go to that room with all the green fuel yes you get that makes the floor sense. yep because that's where erica and dustin come up out of and then they're in the room with the plant yes 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 i noticed that so that's i just wanted to for everybody apparently not just myself because there's a lot going on here a lot of back and forth like we're here and then we're there and then we're here again and then we're there again it's like everybody's running back and forth a lot too i know and we essentially have let's see the russian bunker the mall people the cerebro people yep and then they and then they split off even more from that so we end up with like almost five different parties that yeah. we're following yes there's a lot going on yeah so it's a lot so thank you as hop gears up <laughs> dustin and erica share with the rest of their friends how they barely survived in the bunker dustin tells mike lucas and will how they really could have used their help down there and mike tells dustin that they missed him and they really could have used his help up here too 
Our OG four boys hug it out, just as Hopper concedes to them navigating as long as they stay somewhere safe. Erica and Dustin explain that the signal won't reach from just anywhere, though. They must use Cerebro, so not only do they need a head start, they also need a car. I just want to say, Erica, with the foreshadowing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) well, that settles it. He's going to die. They're going to die. Yep. I wrote that, too. Yep. Thanks, Erica. Yeah. So much for your insight. I also had to laugh at, like, Elle and Max in the background of, like, the four boys hugging it out. They're just like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's so, like, I don't feel like we've seen these four like this since Mm -hmm. Trick or Treat Freak. Yeah. Like, in that, like, the unified group of four without, like, Susie, do you copy? They were all together, but they were, like, fractured together, you know? But, like, in Trick or Treat Freak, when they all show up wearing their ghostbusters costumes like that's like the last time we really see these four just chilling as four that's so true it is like and then when you put that in the context of time it's been months Mm -hmm. like we don't know what's been going on in between all of this but yeah and i mean part of it was like dustin was away at his camp yeah they they have split yeah so it was just kind of nice to see the core four boys have a nice little little moment together while max and l look at them and roll their eyes in the background (laughs) (laughs) they're so sweet i know hop hands over the keys to the todd father and the starcourt group makes their way outside steve refers to himself as daddy to absolutely no one's displeasure except erica's the four drive away heading for cerebro hi daddy (laughs) (laughs) thank you you're welcome and i just i just think it's really funny like out of context this is a stolen car. This is a I car <laughs> that Hopper just stole from a poor man named Todd. And Steve's like, Daddy's got you now. Like, that, no, that's Todd's car. Who are you? <laughs> this, this, this car is like, I want my dad. <laughs> I've been kidnapped. <laughs> I'm telling you, he became a main character this chapter. I know, he, he really did. He, this, you know who's an MVP? This <laughs> car. This car, he wouldn't, nothing would have been happening if it weren't for this car. I know. So thank you, Todd Father. Thank you, Todd Father, and thank you, Todd, for donating your car to the cause. Yes. Somebody's going to come and I'm sure it's been reported stolen and sooner or later (laughs) someone's going to show up and take it. Yeah. Hope you have good insurance, Todd. Yeah, for real. Still inside the mall, Murray tries to explain to Nancy and Jonathan how to unlock all of the locks on his Mojo Dojo Casa house. Which, by the way, I'm seeing Barbie on Sunday. Please. Finally. (laughs) It has been weeks. I know. Joyce shares a heartfelt goodbye with Will and tells him to stay close to Jonathan. Meanwhile, Elle explains to Hop that her battery level is low, but it will recharge. The two hold hands and Elle tells Hop that she can fight, but he wants her to stay safe. This MF is after her, not him. As Mike beckons Eleven away, she and Hop share a quick embrace. Hop tells Mike to be careful and Joyce appears by Hop's side, ready to go. I love the look. I love the look that Joyce gives Hopper when she shows yep. up and he looks at her and he, she's like, like, and what? he's like, what? What are you doing? Yeah. So thanks to you, I now understand what the plan was after five, mm-hmm. five years. How many years? The plan was for Nancy and Jonathan to take Will, Mike, L, Max and Lucas to Murray's house for mm-hmm. safety purposes. Right. Right. Hence why later on we hear like doesn't dustin say have you reached the nest bald eagle's nest have you yeah. 
It yes. is 2023. This came out in 2019. I never realized that that was where those that group was supposed to go. Yeah, and Joyce is even saying to Will, like, yeah, it's far away from everything. Yep. You'll be safe there. Yep. Yeah. Never occurred. Never thought of it at all. <laughs> so embarrassing. That's okay. But like, There's a lot of things I don't know. That would have been so good. It was a good plan. It was. It was a really good plan. The MF's not walking all the way to Illinois. Right. But, like, if he did, I hope he took highways, because that would have been, like, a long walk. <laughs> I know. I feel like the, the group might not have even made it there by the time, like, things were resolved in Hawkins. Very true. That was a little bit of an overestimation, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think Joyce, like, suffocating Will is just so cute. <laughs> He's like, Mom, I can't breathe. You're suffocating me. <laughs> it is. It is cute. All right. So let's talk about Papa's, because we have mm. to. So I couldn't keep this to myself, as you will all realize. So Hopper points out that the mind flare is after Elle, not him. And he needs her to understand this because he doesn't want her to fight right now. He wants her to be safe. He's like, do you understand? I need you to understand. And Elle actually validates Hopper in these last moments with him. Like, this is the last time she's going to see Hopper. And he's begging her for this understanding of like i need you to be safe not running around saving the world and he validates her or vice versa she validates him but then in season four in papa when brenner is dying in his last moments with l he does the same thing as mm -hmm. what hop does in this scene he also asks for l's understanding and he says to her he says i've only ever wanted to help you to protect you everything i did i did for you I need you to understand. Please tell me you understand. And Elle, you see her kind of like, I feel like she struggles to validate Brenner. She like considers it. Mm -hmm. She's like, do I want this man to die without the peace of knowing that I did understand? And then she manages to not. She finds the strength to not validate him. And all she says is goodbye. But I kind of like how you can see both father figures, A, saying the same thing to Elle in their last moments with her. But you can also see one genuinely trying to protect her and the other one has just kind of deluded himself into believing that everything he did was to protect her. Mm -hmm. And then you can actually see Elle, like I wonder if in those last minutes with Brenner, she was thinking about this moment with Hopper. Yeah, and maybe. Like, like, yeah, because she hadn't, she didn't know Hopper was alive yet when Brenner dies True. in season four. So, like, you know, the last time my father died was under these pretenses. <laughs> the last that, time my father died. <laughs> and now my father is dying again under these Ugh. pretenses. I hate when that happens <laughs> twice a year. <laughs> twice a year. <laughs> hate when your dad dies twice. Oh, no. Oh, but yeah, I just, I like that L can recognize the authenticity of one and the inauthenticity of another and mm -hmm. they both ask the same question as they're quote unquote about to die yes i love that i did not i would have never noticed that and that's definitely intentional yeah and i can't well i just can't with that scene but okay yeah. as the adults descend into the base hop and joyce fight about joyce coming along it's a two-man operation two Murray explains that they need a third man to blow up the machine, making this a three-man operation. If they don't destroy the machine, all of their efforts will be for naught. Outside, Mike 
Outside, Mike and Max escort a limping L to Nancy's car. There is a problem, though. It won't start. Jonathan instructs Nancy to pop the hood, and they find that the ignition cable is missing. All of a sudden, an enraged Billy begins to rev his engine in the distance. The kids watch in horror as Nancy demands that they get back into the mall. Now. So this is kind of like a two-parter, and I don't want to jump over the beginning of this scene with Murray and Joyce and Hopper. So I just want to, like, talk about Murray's outfit real quick. Because he just looks really disheveled and out of place. And Mm -hmm. he's got, like, a guinea tee with, like, the short, short jean shorts. (laughs) And I can't tell if he's wearing A, sandals, B, dress shoes, or C, slippers. (laughs) It looked to me like he was wearing, like, Birkenstocks. Yeah, same. So sandals. Yeah. Okay. It's a good outfit. It is. And he's got, like, the walkie-talkie, like, clipped to his tank top. <laughs> I know. I was wondering about his outfit. Like, what? He was wearing that the whole time, right? He was, but something about it now feels absurd more so than Same. it has. Because I did not notice it before. And no. now I did. Yeah. I mean, how long has it been? They left his house. He grabbed the papers. They drove back and argued about having sex. <laughs> and they went to the carnival. Alexi. Yeah. Murray has been in this outfit for, for the better part of this whole season and we're just noticing it because he's out of place now he is very (laughs) (laughs) poor murray i know nancy yelling at lucas and will in this scene really made me laugh because it's again an unlikely animal friends moment it is and also like shut up lucas and will asking oh do you have gas yes i have gas like these two don't even know what bowls are for and they're proceeding to like ask all of these absurd questions of nancy so true. like that's true it's the same pair from the is. store where they were like i don't know what else do you use a bowl for <laughs> there's no bowls in the cereal aisle like oh i don't gosh. what's the purpose of these i can't so are we meant to understand that billy opened the hood of nancy's car stole the ignition cable then proceeded to drive far enough away just to be ominous, just to <laughs> rev his engine. Yes. The MF is all about the drama. It, like, I can't picture Billy being like, all right, I got to open the door. I got to pop the hood. Got to open the hood. Got to steal the ignition cable. Like, is it just vibing in his passenger? Like, ha I have your ignition Look cable. what I got. <laughs> and then he drives, because there's no shot that he parked far and walked to Nancy's car. He he drove up to Nancy's car, stole the cable, got back in his car, drove away, and then just stayed planted there menacingly, waiting for them to come out and realize what he had done. The walking makes it way more funny. Yes, it totally does. <laughs> Man on a mission to steal an... Like, that's what he decides to do. And was he just sitting there revving the whole time? Yeah. And like, who gave, was that like the mind flayer? Or like, like who was like, who influenced this decision? How does the mind flayer know what an ignition cable is? <laughs> <laughs> or is it more just like the MF and or Vecna mm. gives Billy like a directive, like hinder them and then billy has to figure out how to hinder them because there's no shot there's no shot a i don't think henry would even know what an ignition cable was the last time he's been in the world he was like 12 and also it was no that's not the truth he was in the world but he was in the lab so like there were no ignition cables in the lab and to your point there's no way the mind flayer knows what an ignition cable is no no absolutely not so yeah it must be like a combo of both of their intelligence like 
okay, you need to stop them, slow them down. And Billy's like, okay, I know about cars. Rip. Right. Okay. I like that. I don't like it as much as visualizing what's happening with Billy. Same. Purposely parking far away to (laughs) rev his engine, but... I guess the Mind Flayer doesn't know that the Todd father is part of this. Because <laughs> I'm imagine like, when he pulled the ignition cable, I'm guessing the Todd father was also there parked, right? Like, it should have yeah. been there. Wait a minute. <laughs> Stop. Okay, so, so... Why wouldn't he remove the cable from that? Because it was parked literally in front of the mall. Yeah. Like, not in a parking spot. So we have to figure that while everybody's arrived there in nancy's station wagon but steve and them were already at the mall because they were escaping the bunker so nancy Mm -hmm. and all them get to the mall in the station wagon then billy then the adults show up in the todd father Mm -hmm. and presumably as all of that is transpiring inside when they're coming up with the plan and murray's giving them the keys that's when billy is stealing the ignition cable from the station wagon right why didn't he steal I guess he didn't know the Todd father was part of this. That feels stupid. It does, right? Isn't the Mind Flayer like some omnipotent, all-knowing god being? You know, is he omnipotent? Or does he just know what Elle allows him to know when he like sneaks into her brain? Because Elle wouldn't know about the Todd father. I don't know. Just a thought. No, that's a great thought. I hate it, actually. Yeah, it's so it's good, terrible. I hate it. I know. That's so... I mean, unless we can argue that Billy stole the ignition cable before the adults got there. Which I guess is possible. But then Billy just watched the adults pull up. Yeah. That's even worse. <laughs> hey, guys. Like, what? Yeah, that's actually even worse. Because then he saw them get there and was like, that's probably not important. <laughs> we could really read into this and be like, let's let Billy... Billy. Billy. The part of Billy that was still Billy mm-hmm. saw the adults pull up. And we're like... I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to give him a chance. I'm going to give him a chance to get out. The adults are here. Yeah, like maybe he was able to... I don't know. He could We're fight them. This, yeah. th- this is going too, too far. Plot yeah. hole. Plot hole. Ding, 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 ding. Plot hole. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, all right. In the elevator, Murray, Hop, and Joyce discuss their plan. Murray is going to yank those cables like he's pulling weeds, which will set off the alarm, causing a distraction. I would like to say I cannot picture this man ever having pulled weeds in his life, but okay. I feel like I can. I feel like okay. Murray would be a gardener, but he would grow like <laughs> stupid shit. Like shit that nobody. That. Yeah. I feel like Murray and your dad might be friends. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same mm-hmm. person. <laughs> Minus like the blue collariness, because Murray yeah. doesn't come off blue collar. What is no. Murray's job? He's, a, you know. A, journal, a journalist or He's something. a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> he makes jo- YouTube videos about zeitgeist. <laughs> his job is just conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like beach. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, okay. This will give Joyce and Hop a chance to get the keys from the vault. Then we will follow the map to the observation room, turn the keys, and kaboom! We blow this sucker sky high. Once the gate is closed, they just escape back through the vents which are now all of a sudden large enough to fit grown adults but whatever joyce and hop begin to bicker about the solidity of the plan as the elevator doors open up revealing a slew of russian guards my only note for the scene is joyce says just because it wasn't your plan doesn't mean it was a bad plan and i want to know what was hop's plan yeah what was hop's plan wing it i don't know 
I want to know, though, because I just can't help but think, had they done his plan, what would have been different mm. for him? Mm. Maybe. What was his plan? Can somebody tell us? Murray is just such a wonderful comic relief. <laughs> he really is. His his comedic timing is impactful. They'll never even know we were here. I know. <laughs> it opens up and there's just guards everywhere. I think that they do a lot with the the comic the comic relief in this chapter. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's needed. It's so needed. And they do it so well and the balance is there. And like in the next couple of scenes, I think we see some other really good examples of it. But yeah, so true. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. very much like what was it in which chapter was it when they were like it's an impenetrable fortress that no one would ever be able to get into. And then you see Dustin like popping yeah. up through the floor. <laughs> it just cuts to children. <laughs> <laughs> Murray begins to speak Russian to the guards, catching them by surprise. He quickly explains that they have important documents for Lieutenant Comrade, showing them the, the blueprints. <laughs> ah, yes. So, oh, yes, Lieutenant Comrade. <laughs> the guards question Murray, though. What Lieutenant? Lieutenant molotov of course (laughs) yes just as the guards begin to catch on to their scheme hop appears from behind murray wielding a machine gun he shoots the gun wildly towards the guards killing them all hop begins to undress the guards they're going to steal their uniforms and use them as a disguise these lives were just treated so disposably yeah hop just comes out of nowhere and kills all these people and has Hop killed? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I can't think of a time, but I feel like he has. Right? Like, this can't be the first time that we've seen Hop murder. I was really trying to rack my brain. Me too. Like, Me I'm too. thinking about in the body when he knocks out mm. the morgue man to go yeah, look at the body. and I don't think he killed him, though. He didn't. He totally didn't. That's what I mean, though. I'm trying to think yeah. of a time when hop has killed and nothing is coming to mind but that could just be because there's just no way for us to keep all of these details in our brains at the same time really i'm sure isn't. someone will tell us if he's killed mm-hmm. i just sent you a picture in chat thank you what is it's it rambo yes that is what this is <laughs> it is rambo but no this scene is 100 giving rambo yes. definitely a reference <laughs> yep but like david harbour yeah that Sylvester guy Sloan. yeah like, give I'm... me david harbour any day same Okay, why was one of these uniforms small enough to fit Joyce? That is a great question. Who was that small? A small man. A very small man, A little apparently. small Russian man. Steve, Dustin, Robin, and Erica, now formally known as the Scoops Troop, are still in the Todd Father making their way to Cerebro. They start to discuss the existence of Susie, and Dustin says she's as close to being perfect as any human could possibly be. Erica isn't buying it, though. Susie sounds made up. Dustin abruptly yells at Steve to turn left, but there is no road. The car stalls as they try to climb the grassy hill, forcing the crew to walk the rest of the way to Cerebro. This is what I was talking about of like the comic relief. Like it's just, it's such a good balance of them trying to force (laughs) their way up the hill while that, what is the song that's playing? Take You Higher. Higher by Jackie Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's just a good, it's a good balance of the tragedy that is about to ensue. And then we have this. You're in a stolen car with your ex-girlfriend's little brother's best friend and your ex-girlfriend's little brother's friend's sister and your co-worker. You are driving to the top of a remote hill in the middle of the night to get a ham radio to communicate with some guys infiltrating a Russian base. Do you listen to Higher and Higher by Jackie Wilson on the way? Yes or no? 
I'm gonna need you to take me through that family tree once more. <laughs> okay, get ready. Okay, I'm buckled, buckled in. <laughs> We're buckled in. You're in a stolen car with your ex-girlfriend's little brother's best friend, Dustin. Your ex-girlfriend's little brother's friend's sister, Erica, and your coworker, Robin. <laughs> Okay, thank you. And you're you're driving to the top of a remote hill in the middle of the night to get to a ham radio to communicate with some guys infiltrating a Russian base. I listen to whatever the hell's on the radio. What else are you going to do? Drive in silence? Yeah, you can't do it. (laughs) No. You would go crazy. No, there's no driving in silence allowed. There needs to be something to ground you to reality. So true. And I just got to say, when Erica asks Steve if Susie is made up, he still won't say yes. Okay, so I just need to commend steve for that Mm -hmm. but i also just want to take us back to when steve asks the todd father who his daddy is and robin says did you just refer to yourself in the third person and erica says did you just call yourself daddy and dustin says nothing because these two have such an understanding of each other that this is not surprising and i just think that they are always just letting each other be their complete selves like Dustin doesn't think twice about Steve doing any of what he just did. And Steve will not shit on Susie's existence to Dustin. No. No, he will not. And I love that about them. They're a great pair. I do, too. They really are. They protect each other. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And it's like, they they do kind of like poke fun at each other, but only they're allowed to do that to each other. Exactly. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Like, they can shit on each other, but if anybody else shits on them who's dying they're like brothers they are yeah they are if dustin is actually making up Susie, he has gone through some extreme efforts to corroborate this lie yeah this is a lot he has set up a giant stringy radio system on the top of a mountain in the middle of nothing mm-hmm. just because he made up a girl at camp I- I was thinking that. Like, if she is made up, this is a lot. It is a lot. It is so much. Which, like, I could see after season two how some of his friends could think that he might do Ooh, that. Okay. Because because of the whole Dart mm. Max situation. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of see it. All right. I like it. Crying yeah. wolf. Okay. I mean, obviously, we know Susie is real, but... <laughs> we do, but, like, that's such a good point to make because... It just shows, like, he he did this one time, right? Theoretically. Mm-hmm. And what if it had been something more serious than Susie being real or fake that they didn't trust him on that was legit? All because mm-hmm. he bullshitted about Dart in season two. Right. Yeah. Don't lie. Mm-hmm. Friends makes, don't lie. Makes people not trust you. Yep. Lastly, I well, second to lastly, the other one's just a score. I want to mention that this abrupt left turn reminds me a lot of in dig dug when will is like turn right and joyce just has like abruptly turn right into nothing there's no road it's like the same type of thing mm-hmm. and on that note i remember in season two when will is like turn right joyce does not think twice and she just does mm. it and steve is like there's no road here and yeah. he does think twice <laughs> yeah <laughs> joyce always taking her boy at face value always the absolute bop that is playing here when the scoops troop gets out of the todd father and throughout the next scene is called scoops troop love it 
Yes. It is track 39 of 41 on the season three score, and it is so good. Wow. I love that the, the name is very fitting. Yes, it's, 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 a good, it's a good one. Back at the mall, Mike attempts to call the scoop troop on his supercom, relaying their emergency of being trapped inside Starcourt by Billy. As Lucas practices his wrist rocket aim, Nancy grabs a gun off a dead Russian guard. Max nervously asks Nancy if she plans to kill Billy, but Nancy assures her that it's just a precaution. Will reminds us that since Billy knows their whereabouts, so does the Mind Flayer. Thank you, William. In a stroke of genius, Jonathan thinks to grab the ignition cable from the turned-over sweepstakes car, but no one can flip the car over because it's too heavy. Elle attempts to flip it with her mind. She's like, I can do it, but she can't. Unfortunately, her battery is still drained and the car does not budge. Did Jonathan have coffee today? Like, right? what is happening with this dude? He's like got ideas. The brain. The brain. Bob the brain is possessing Jonathan. Yes. Like, he's not, being channeled. He is. Like, not only does he have ideas, but he's implementing them. Mm hmm. It's amazing. I, and I, but I just have to say, it does kind of feel like that many people should be able to flip the car. <laughs> well, they had to do it all at the same time. Yes, they had that, to, that was that the key. Physics. Mm-hmm. I told you. That's <laughs> Why what isn't it was. Will helping? Did you notice that? I might hate Will right now. Right? What is his problem? <laughs> <laughs> Poor child is paralyzed by trauma. And we're like, get your shit together, yeah. you little dingus. <laughs> I don't know. He's just, he's just a useless child. And like... Just do something, I beg you. I beg you. Your brother is stepping up to the plate. And all you're doing is feeling your neck. Yeah, and, like, saying obvious sentences (laughs) that, like, I guess are valuable to the listener and the viewer because sometimes it's confusing, as we've learned. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I just, yeah, I just, Will is, I'm struggling. Yeah. I have a question about Cerebro and how it is still standing after the storm in the case of the missing lifeguard. Oh, yeah, that was a very intense storm. And it's just perfectly erect, just standing at the top <laughs> top of the hill. <laughs> we are children. Yeah, we are. Yeah, that's a great point. And also, was all that equipment like allowed to be out in the rain? Oh, my God. What even <laughs> yeah. is this? There's just, like, a full radio there with, like, knobs and stuff. I feel like an idiot, but does that need to be plugged in? I feel like an idiot, too, because I don't know. I feel like probably not. It's probably batteries okay. of some sort. Okay, thank you. Um, Running but... an extension cord <laughs> yeah. to the field. <laughs> they actually have to, like, use jumper cables from the Todd father oh, to God. get it started. <laughs> no, Billy oh, took God. those. Billy oh, he yeah. stole the jumper cables. Oh, that's what... Okay. <laughs> I legitimately feel bad for Max because she is just such collateral her whole family is collateral damage i know and like i i just wonder i think we established that this was random right billy wasn't handpicked yeah um but i just wonder if i mean clearly the answer is no because that's how writing works when you're writing a show but would billy have been flayed if max had chosen to not involve herself in this group like let's just say Mm. everything played out exactly the same they moved to Hawkins. They tried to get Max to accept the risk. And she was like, eh, no, doesn't sound safe. Would Billy have still been the one to be flayed? Right. I don't know. Because he might not have met Karen. Maybe not. Right. Because he and- wouldn't have gone to the Wheelers 
mm-hmm. at the end of season two searching for the kids yeah so maybe not wow yeah poor max she's just in a terrible position right now she is and nancy kind of just like poo poos her when she's like uh you're gonna kill my brother <laughs> and nancy's like it's just a precaution like that's my brother <laughs> okay like right she's like it's just a precaution as if that means that she's not gonna shoot billy with a gun yeah it's just a precaution <laughs> you know you know like yeah i if i shoot him it it was just a precaution <laughs> right okay, well, like but he's dead okay but okay. it was a precaution yeah like okay <laughs> that doesn't mean he's not gonna die yeah still dead thanks my last and final note for this scene is that when Elle is attempting to flip the car over there is a shot of them all watching her and on the second floor there is a fun pastel sign that just says jazzercise behind them <laughs> and then when we focus in on Elle, there is a big sign to her left that just says great cookie and it's just cute <laughs> great cookie <laughs> yeah so we have jazzercise and beautiful pastel lettering and then great cookie <laughs> is this the first time we see Elle try to use her powers and they fail it might be i think this is right yeah okay well technically no because in in the lost sister when kali is trying to get her to like move the train car and she can't at first yeah that counts i guess that counts yeah okay but this is the first like real life example i guess yeah and it's like they don't come back yes right like she channels the correct energy and moves the train car but this is the first time we see her do this and they it just doesn't work yeah in the bunker the adults have disguised themselves as russian guards and have finagled their way deeper inside thanks to murray (laughs) (laughs) that's what she said children children (laughs) children Children. (laughs) they arrive in the room with all of the cases of prometheum and dustin who has reached cerebro and is having the absolute time of his life begins to call them over the walkie-talkie bald eagle i repeat this is scoops troop do you copy Murray laments about his hatred for children before descending into the floor vent. Dustin is just so in his element, despite mm-hmm. how dire these situations always are. Like, I know. I think of in season one when they're outrunning the actual government, and I just always go back to copy Elm and Cherry. Like, they're like power biking away, and they're <laughs> on the run. And Dustin is just cosplaying. the whole time and i think this is why in season four when we see dustin break when eddie dies it's it's extra upsetting because dustin hasn't broken one time right he's been able to keep it together pretty much this whole time that serotonin doesn't stop flowing for dustin Mm -hmm. it just keeps on going and then eddie dies yeah and there's no more copy elman cherry i just i just love the scene of murray like laughing with the russian guard (laughs) am i right comrade (laughs) what does he say say goodbye to sunlight yeah and then murray's like who needs sunlight when we have each other and he's like so true buddy oh my god i also love how we kind of get joyce and hopper gang up on murray here and like sarcastically tease him like mm-hmm. should we invite him over for dinner too like <laughs> it's funny he was we a nice a- guard yeah we we have <laughs> also this you see the plant again mm-hmm. 
Which is funny because they mention sunlight and then it's like there's a plant here. Yes, I know. I noticed that. What is the plant? What is it? What is it? At Starcourt, the kids finally manage to flip over the sweepstakes car. Jonathan and Nancy search it while Elle sifts through a nearby garbage can. Mike and Max watch her curiously, only to realize that she's hunting for an empty can of new Coke, which she tries and fails to crush with her mind. All of a sudden, Will's Fladar acts up. Max, tipped off by the sound of his pounding footsteps, looks up to see the gigantic Mind Flayer himself walking on the glass roof of the mall, which is beginning to crack under his weight. The ceiling sure is beautiful, though. Just as Jonathan yanks the ignition cable from the car, the Mind Flayer crashes down into the food court, roaring as it lands. Just supreme. So good. I love it. What an entrance this fine being makes. It's giving Jurassic Park. Oh, it's so giving much. the ripples in the water. Oh, God. It Ugh. gives me chills oh, every it's time. so eerie. Like, the, you hear the rhythmic thumping before you see anything. Mm-hmm. And then, like, when Max looks up and the camera also shows the ceiling before it shatters, you can just very, very slightly see him. Mm-hmm. And then the shot of him just landing and then the star court sign just falling and swing. Oh, God. It's so incredible. Such an amazing shot. I don't think I truly appreciated this until this time. I know. And after I'm, I'm glad we did the VFX episode before this. Yeah. Like I thought about saving it until after, but I'm really glad we did it before so we could like really appreciate what's going on here. Yeah, it's just it's it's just so it's so good and the other part about this that is subtle is that you see l trying to do such a minor maneuver with her power she's just Mm -hmm. trying to crush a soda can and you see her fail and then this fucking thing arrives (laughs) and you're like oh Oh, no no. (laughs) she can't even crush a soda can this is not gonna go well yeah and it's just i think that might have been a choice like yeah to show that she is incapacitated and then you get this the big boy mm-hmm. i love the him. big boy me too i'm so excited he's here oh he's so good i wish he stayed longer <laughs> me too short-lived I just, I just gotta say when they flip the car mike is like yeah i told you guys physics simple machines simple machines although it's i will a wedge. say it is it is i am all physics out but me too. i feel like i feel like again same thing with the playing's constant like i'm glad that we did that because there's a lot happening. Mm-hmm. Even Dustin mentioning earlier that you need high enough frequency bands to yeah. transmit the signal. Radio waves, people. Right. We've heard this. Plank is here constantly. <laughs> like All Esteban. Right. Please. I'm constantly thanking God for <laughs> thank, him. I thank God for Esteban every day. If All the you time. get that reference, you're our best friend. You are. <laughs> Gregory enters the Russian bunker, because of course he does, flanked by (laughs) several other guards, who, by the way, don't look that intimidating. No, they don't. I'm not afraid. (laughs) Me either. They notice the other dead men, and Gregory deduces that the American is responsible. Meanwhile, Hop and Joyce discuss Elle's safety while they wait for the signal from Murray. The two bicker and continue their endless lover's quarrel. Hopper tenderly tells Joyce that they make a pretty good team, despite all the nonsense, and Joyce flirtatiously asks if she got the job as Hop's partner. Hop asks Joyce if she still plans to move out of Hawkins, but Joyce deflects by asking Hop on a real date. 
Friday, 8 o'clock at Enzo's? Nah, not gonna work. Elle likes to watch Miami Vice. How about 7? Perfect. It's a date. Picking you up. Picking you up. 7 p.m. (laughs) (laughs) I like the detail that the three dead guards are just chilling in their underwear. But also, like... They're kind of wearing what Murray is just wearing before he puts the uniform on. True. (laughs) I should have mentioned this earlier, but if anyone out there is familiar with Arrested Development, Murray is dressed like a never nude. I've I've only watched a couple seasons of Arrested Development. What is a never nude? (laughs) So one of the main characters in Arrested Development, Tobias, he calls himself a a never nude. Okay, it's coming back. Yep. And he just wears these cut off jean shorts at all times, even in the shower, like everywhere wet jeans yeah he wears cut off jean shorts literally at all times under his clothes everywhere (laughs) murray is just dressed like that oh my god i never noticed that gregory calls him the american and then in the post credits they're like not the american and my stupid ass was like oh maybe they're talking about somebody else i know (laughs) i i know i remember that same thing when we get to that scene when it's like not the american and i was like oh who is the american meanwhile this whole fucking chapter gregory's like the american the american the american in reference to hopper (laughs) i know i know i was a i was a hopper's dead truther like i was certain that this man was dead really i was i really was until we got that like little teaser trailer for season four where they literally show him at the russian work camp (laughs) i i was convinced bald head i know I was convinced. Yeah, we all learned something. I can't believe how how accustomed Hopper has gotten to Joyce's bickering that when she actually tries to comfort and reassure him, he's like, no, no, that's not how this works. You're supposed to tell me that, you know, we should have done it your way. And (laughs) he can't, like, wrap his brain around her actually being, like, sincere because they've been bickering for the better part of this entire season. Yeah, so true. I just want the couples of Stranger Things to please stop asking each other out. Right on before, Fridays? Yeah. Right before they do something season ending. Yeah, please. That would be great. Yeah. If anybody asks anybody out in like the last episode of season five. No. We're on to you, DBs. Please stop it. Please. Just no more. We don't need it. The song playing is The Russian Nightingales by the Red Army Choir. Wow. Yep. Really owning that. <laughs> The caption says, gentle Russian ballad playing. <laughs> but that's before it swells into like yeah. a... Yeah. It, and it and it ends on like a, a minor It does. Resolution. It does. It does. Which should give us some, some foreshadowing, I think. Yes. I just got chills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does end that way. And that you get that like zoom out of their backs. Mm-hmm. And it is. There's an, there's an ominous quality to it. It's not like... There is. A happy ending. Mm-hmm. Murray makes his way through the air ducts of the bunker, guided by Dustin and Erica over the supercom. Fly right, bald eagle. (laughs) Out here in the field. Steve stands up and notices that the lights at Starcourt Mall are going haywire in the distance. Dustin frantically tries to radio the other group, referring to them as the Griswold family, but the Mind Flayer answers instead. (laughs) The Griswold family cannot come to the supercom right now. Please leave a message after the roar. The Mind Flayer (laughs) tosses the supercom aside, shattering it. The mind flayer is just like all of the adults who are like, technology is awful. Get off of that phone, young lads. Like He does not want to be bothered with the supercom. Sorry, the Griswold family can't come to the phone right now. Why? Oh, 
because they're dead <laughs> and there it is he just like has like a, he's like taking this super calm personally yeah um, i just think that was such a funny choice to have him yell into the walkie talkie <laughs> shut up stupid children <laughs> it is it is it is good it's good i just want to talk about the griswold family <laughs> yeah okay so the griswold family is a reference we're not making this mistake again the griswold family is a reference to the movie national lampoon's vacation Mm -hmm. came out in 1983 and the movie follows the griswold family as they take a cross-country road trip in a station wagon oh yep and in the movie the family is going from chicago to california oh yeah that's crazy okay love it love the the purposefulness here yes this town is very dark it's a very dark small town i would like to say we see in the beginning of this chapter joyce hopper and murray driving and there's no street lights it is dark Mm -hmm. you are telling me that no one in the area noticed these neon flashing lights violently in this extremely dark tiny town it's the fourth of july okay you know what okay thank you sure i accept (laughs) i accept the risk (laughs) i accept that answer thank you like who's to say that it's not fireworks from a nearby town that's so true you're totally right on that note though the lights flickering in the distance some spooky shit Mm -hmm. the way that they've taken these vibrant neon colorful lights and made them spooky now i'm scared of neon all of a sudden and like that's like the least scary thing ever is neon i'm scared of neon yeah like i'm scared and steve like seeing it and like what do you think his wheels did his brain his gears they were turning they were like what that doesn't look good it's giving him looking back at the buyer's house and seeing the lights flashing (gasps) and going in to save them season one and it's Mm -hmm. the same two that he saves yep he saves nancy and jonathan and you know the rest of the people but like mostly nancy and jonathan of course (laughs) but yeah i just i just thought of that when when you were talking about steve looking at it yeah that it does him like going out to his car and then he just like turns around as he gets to the driver's side and sees the lights flashing in there (gasps) Mm -hmm. oh i love it me too wow the show is so good gosh we should make a podcast about it what amanda (laughs) that is a great plan i will start a google drive doc sheet good idea so we can start discussing wow you all heard it here first everyone we're making a podcast about stranger things okay i just have two more quick notes the first of which is the mind flare having ears just feels kind of wrong i know we should have talked about that when we talked about him yelling at the supercom but like mm. does he have ears and like yeah that's kind of wild i know we i i feel like we talked about this a little bit in like our demogorgon evolution or you know evolution episode but what are their sensory organs we still don't know but like the mind flare takes us to a new level because the mind flare was not he's not organically born he has melted people and rats so like how did those beings come together to form an auditory system like, hmm. you know, when you make a bit, you, you build a baby and like you build its organs and all of its systems. And like, it's kind of miraculous and amazing that the human body can like make babies. <laughs> who, 
can this mind does he digest like what are his systems like does he have a nervous system does he have ears he doesn't have eyes what happens if he swallows something does he have like does he produce waste like does he need a litter box like what are we doing here what is this being what is what is the biology here yeah like does he have bones in the in the structure of himself i like to think that he's very like minimal you know just what he needs just what he needs Oh, but so how did how, they make all that? How did they make ears? I don't know. Like, you know how we have all those little bones in our ears that influence how we hear? Yeah, and the little hairs. Yeah, the hairs. Like, does he, he have, have all hairs. this? How did he know exactly where that supercom was? Right? It seems really small for him to pinpoint. For sure. These are the questions, people. The questions. <laughs> and then the final thing is just that the song playing here is called Blueprints. Hmm. And it is really good, and you should go listen to it right now. Thank you. Sure. In the food court, Lucas, Nancy, Will, and Jonathan hide from the Mind Flayer behind the sweepstakes car, Dustin's warped radio calls sounding nearby. The Mind Flayer wanders around, stopping at the Gap to admire a mannequin. (laughs) He narrowly avoids Mike, Elle, and Max, who are hiding behind a counter. As the Scoops troop listens in on the Mind Flayer snarling, Steve takes off down the hill to go and rescue the crew at Starcourt. Robin quickly follows him, and Dustin radios Hop, Joyce, and Murray. We've got a problem steve running down that hill (laughs) it was kind of like this sort of reminds me of people like posting like really innocuous things that their partners do that like give them the ick and (laughs) i feel like running downhill is one of those things (laughs) like he just looks so funny like you can't run down a hill gracefully you just can't you can't like even steve harrington doesn't look good running down a hill no you know and like he looks good doing 99.9 percent of things not running down a hill that was not one of them no (laughs) definitely not this is another great example of a failed attempt to communicate dustin trying to reach them and not being able to because the mf Mm -hmm. put a stop to that right quick yes but i also mentioned that i gotta say like them hiding behind the car and then hearing dustin be like are you okay do you copy they must have been like oh thank god someone knows Mm, yeah 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 well yeah like all they had to do was see that the lights were going haywire and they knew that something was up Mm mm-hmm yeah it did not take steve much to figure it out it is so good it is yeah it really is and uh you know hearkening back to our vfx episode just need you all to imagine a beach ball on a pole (laughs) in the place of the mind (laughs) mind flare like all of like max mike and l cowering behind that counter and looking imagine it's just a beach ball not a beach ball on a pole (laughs) (laughs) which like just just a testament to how good they are yeah but like i have a question how does this work like he is actively destroying the mall as he's walking around like the column he takes like a chunk out of it like how are they making that happen it's a mystery there's no way that the beach ball on the pole was shattering (laughs) concrete like no they must do something like i don't know i don't know how they do it unless it's all cgi i don't know either i mean i'm guessing the destruction kind of is mostly cgi amazing they can't like take out concrete pillars at this existing structure amazing right i know it, it looks amazing it, it does. just it really does i think that i just want to mention that the mind flare you get like a really nice close-up of him here and he's got like those saliva bits and like the mm-hmm. strings and he's got like a full 360 teeth situation he does we just get a really nice portrait of him Mm -hmm. and like we do 
if this was gonna be if this was like like class photo like this would be his like graduation photo like this really close up he's smiling all his teethers are out his teeth yeah i just we need to appreciate him while he's here i know he's, he's so, here for such a short time he, he really like this is so short-lived i know as the mind flayer continues his surveillance of the food court mike tells max and l that they could run up the stairs now while the skin spider's back is turned l objects though saying there's a better way out through the gap the three make a run for it but blow their cover when they crash into a rack of clothes and send it clattering to the floor the mind flayer hears the sound and tracks them using his tiny tentacles to slither through all of the clothing displays Thinking that he has found Elle, he grabs a mannequin sporting the same outfit, but he tosses it away angrily when he realizes his error. <laughs> Max, Elle, and Mike continue hiding the discarded mannequin landing nearby. Seeing this creature in action, and I might get a lot of hate for this, and I am willing to accept that hate because we will die on this hill till we no longer can. And even then when we can't, we probably will still insist. We'll try. Right? You know what mm-hmm. I'm about to say. Okay. Mm-hmm. So seeing this thing in action just makes this being Henry's doing feel so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, this is kind of a lot. Why did he send this thing to do this? Like, you're telling me... I'm going to get really close here. <laughs> you're telling me that Henry Creel schemed to dissolve a slew of rats who would then dissolve to form a skin spider. Yes, a spider. Mm-hmm fine i will accept the spider and then the skin spider would flay people with the help of a random hawkins citizen and then all of these people would then dissolve into a larger skin spider yep checks out this was henry's plan Uh, yeah it does seem a little convoluted for him uh yeah Mm -hmm. like i need to understand why he wouldn't have just done what he did in season four from the beginning and i get like he's building up strength okay well what changed between october of 1984 (laughs) and july of 1985 and then july of 1985 to march of 1980 like what really changed all that much in what was the july 85 to march 86 that all of a sudden now he's like all right i'm gonna do it my way because these other ways have failed the only thing that is different in this time period from july 85 to march 86 is that our boy is a little bit incapacitated Mm -hmm. because there's a whole half of himself stuck in a russian aquarium that could be it that's just to me that makes the most sense here I don't want to hear about him building strength. Boo. This just is not... I'm so sorry, everyone who thinks that Vecna is the big bad, but it just doesn't... I know. It doesn't add up. It doesn't add up to me. Like, what is the scheme that he came up with? I'm imagining him, like, mapping this out in, like... I know. Like, a Google Sheets PowerPoint, like, then dissolve rats. Step two, have rats turn into skin monster. Step three, have random Hawkins man... (laughs) flay beings step four like i don't know but but then in season four we get this like reveal sort of that he's like yeah that's why i stole your powers so i could open gates too like okay but why was this the plan though is the implication that that l being bit stole her powers that's what i thought but like and i think we talked about this already it feels random 
it does. feels by chance it just so happens that the mind flayer bit her grabbed like, her by the leg yeah and bit her like that anything could have happened right i know it yeah it is it's a very convoluted plan like there is an implication that it was henry's plan but it i don't know something about it isn't right it just feels like too too much henry you're, you've gone too far this is too much i don't sit down he's, he's an unreliable narrator i don't believe a word out of his mouth me either i agree i don't know it's a good thought underground murray radios that he has arrived at his destination bald eagle has landed dustin smiles but hopper is impatient murray locates the electrical panel against the far wall and opens it up revealing dozens of wires and tubes he disconnects several of the wires on the panel causing the power in the bunker to surge and the giant key to malfunction and short circuit one of the russian guards sounds the alarm signaling to joyce and hop that it's their time to shine I love that Murray can't give Hop an estimate of how long this will take because he's never done this before. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good answer. (laughs) It is. It's like, I don't fucking know. I've never been in this situation. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I don't really have a frame of reference for this. (laughs) There's no pretense, okay? (laughs) Okay. This is going to be a big question and and maybe better for season or for, for part two of this chapter. When the machine starts to power down after Murray pulls the wires... Wouldn't that start closing the gate? My note is that I feel like this key has stages of being shut down and it doesn't line up. Right. Like, it doesn't make sense. We are now like just, but like also wouldn't shutting, wouldn't ripping out wires and turning off the power in any capacity start to create other issues within the facility? Like, yes, A, shouldn't the key, shouldn't this now already make the key less strong, therefore the the gate is already not going to be opening as much at a right because my guess is that it's running on both regular electricity and also that substance sure so like it's probably still running a little but not at full capacity okay so that okay all right that's good so it's plugged into the wall but it's also got promethium powering it mm-hmm. that's my guess so yeah but like wouldn't it like, wouldn't we see that effect on the mind flare? Like, wouldn't he start to become mm, weakened? Because, because the connection is is weakening. Yeah. Hmm. That's, I don't know. I have a lot of questions about the mechanics of this thing. Maybe I'll save that for the second part of the chapter. I don't know. I have a lot of questions, too. <clears throat> I, I just think, like, even something, like, wouldn't, again, severing the power, like, key card access. Like, mm-hmm. why are Hop and Joyce just able to use the key? I have other questions about the stupid key card in the next scene. But, like, shouldn't the panels on the wall that read the, the identification cards? He's Go just down. cutting power, like, like willy-nilly. Yeah, I know. I mean, maybe they have generators and stuff. Who knows? Suspension yeah. of disbelief. Yeah. We got to do it a, a good amount in this season. No, I am, I am that. Yeah. Back at the mall, the Mind Flayer's tentacles continue their search for Elle, Max, and Mike in the Gap. Lucas, who is still camped out with Will, Nancy, and Jonathan behind the car, decides to use his wrist rocket to pop a nearby balloon, distracting the Mind Flayer and luring him away from the other trio. The two groups use this opportunity to flee. Do we think that the tentacle has, like, a sense of smell? It, it seems like it has some sort of sense of like, something. Like, is it like a snake? Like, you know how snakes smell with their tongues? Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Unless the tentacle itself has ears? yeah i don't know i just like i can't imagine this thing having ears of any kind it 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 feels like it should just i don't know like have sonar or something yeah like a bat yeah like like a dolphin that that feels more like how it would i don't know that just feels like it makes more sense do spiders have ears (laughs) 
Spiders don't have ears like we do, and many have poor eyesight, but they can sense vibration. See, this is what I was imagining. Yeah. Yeah. And instead of eardrums, spiders use tiny sensitive hairs that move in response to sound. Okay. Isn't that just hearing? Yeah. Basically. Or, or maybe our, maybe it's the bones. I don't fucking mm, know ear, ear anatomy, but... Okay, well, spiders don't have ears, just in case you all were wondering. Thank you for that. When Max looks away as the tentacle nears them, it always breaks my heart a little bit. I know. She's she, she's just, they're terrified. This is horrible. This is, mm-hmm. we haven't really talked much about how scary this is. Sheer terror. Just, and then even Will in the previous scene, when you get the pan of them hiding behind the car, Will looks like he would rather just be dead. Like... Yeah. Like, he looks like he's breathing into a paper bag, basically. Yeah, like, he's like, again, I cannot believe this. We are back with this in the <laughs> this flesh. Nonsense. Yeah. Right? That's, like, the scariest part. Like, it's it's here. It is literally here. Yeah, and that does kind of... there. That is something that's different about this season, I think, is that the Mind Flayer has gone from being an idea to being... A physical manifestation mm-hmm. and it's like what is scarier and i do think that's that is like the vecna mind flayer debate like what do you personally find more frightening and i think the people who find a tangible being more frightening prefer vecna as the big bad but then the people who find an unknown unfathomable looming creature to be more scary find the mind flayer as the big bad to be a better answer mm-hmm does this remind you at all of the Chamber of Secrets when Lucas pops the balloon and it distracts the mind mm-hmm. flare? And it's yes. like at the end when the basilisk is pursuing Harry through the tunnels after Fox has blinded him and Harry throws the rock yeah, to make the noise in the other tunnel and then the basilisk just passes him by. Yes, yes, so true. Yeah. That's a good, I, I didn't think of that, but as soon as you said it, I knew what you meant. Yep. And shout out to Lucas. Everyone, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of characters get a little MVP moment in this they chapter. They really do. Yeah. In the bunker, Joyce and Hop make their way through the busy hallways, still in their disguises. They encounter a fellow guard who speaks to them in Russian, but they have no clue what he's saying, and they just nod and smile before continuing on. <laughs> they eventually come upon the room with the safe that holds the shutdown keys. Hop promptly enters the code from Murray, but it fails. He tries again. Nope, still wrong. Hop radios Murray to tell him that his goddamn code is wrong. On the other end, Murray conveys that he thought he knew Plank's constant, but maybe he doesn't after all. Dustin, who is listening in on this conversation, racks his brain for a moment. Does he know Plank's constant? Not by heart. No. Does Erica know it? She's not a nerd, so also no. But wait. Dustin begins to turn the knobs on Cerebro. He's calling Susie. Susan. <laughs> <laughs> Is there one other woman down in this bunker? No, absolutely not. Why would there be? Do they think that Joyce is a, like a just a very feminine small man? It's I guess like, so. It's like Amanda Bynes and she's the man. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's going on here. Sebastian. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point though. They don't even think twice. No. About this woman just hanging out. I know. They don't at all. So um, before we move on. I have to share a video with you okay. of what this scene always makes me think of. And I think you'll really appreciate it. Okay. Is this the pacifier? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I cannot. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> the music. <laughs> so stupid. I Why were we it. obsessed with that movie? Because of the kid. I don't know. It was because oh, yeah. of the kid. He was a yeah. cutie. He was cute. There was the whole storyline where they thought he was a Nazi, but he was actually just in The Sound of Music. Oh my god, you're right. Yes. <laughs> Wild. So, yes, if if any of you out there have ever seen the movie The Pacifier from 2005 with Vin Diesel, <laughs> you should uh, watch the Peter Panda dance on, on YouTube because Marina and I were weirdly obsessed with this movie. <laughs> There was a cute and boy in it. There was a cute boy in it. And uh, there's a scene where Vin Diesel does this whole little thing, like a whole little dance to get to a vault. And it really reminds me of the scene. I feel like that's also like that, that the, to get into that vault and that scene that we just watched, it was like a really elaborate obstacle course with like an <laughs> obscure reference needed to yeah. understand how to maneuver through this obstacle course to get to the vault. Meanwhile, any old key card in this Russian facility can open the room that accesses this vault. And if you know Planck's constant, which many, many people do, <laughs> you can just open it. Like, shouldn't maybe, like, only a select few individuals' key cards yeah. be able to activate this particular reader? It like would have made... I was going to say, it would have made more sense if Alexei gave them his key card. Genius! Which we never see happen, but maybe we can just pretend it happened. Yeah, because it just feels really outlandish that the three guards who they just so happened to kill, who are probably just like the lowest of the low on the food yeah. chain in this facility, their key cards can open up this room. Right. Makes perfect sense. Unreal. <laughs> I have a really important thing to say about Plank's Constant that I should have said in the Plank's Constant episode. Oh, what? The number that Susie gives Dustin... Is the 2014 Planck's constant. It's changed? So as methods of measurement have improved, Planck's constant itself has evolved. So in 1985, the number was actually 6.626176. Oh. Yes. In 2014, it was the number that we hear Susie give. Wow. Plot hole. Just more things to be uncertain about. <laughs> well, the constant isn't even constant. It's not. It is not. Yeah. But that's that's wild. I didn't even know that the number had changed. Yep, I didn't either. And it, it, yep, it does. It did. Well, it has. Back at Starcourt, Nancy, Jonathan, Lucas, and Will sprint outside to Nancy's car. As Jonathan attempts to install the new ignition cable, a tearful-looking Billy revs his engine in the distance. Nancy, armed with the gun she stole from the Russian guard, positions herself between her car and Billy in an attempt to buy Jonathan more time. Unreal. The fearlessness. Yeah. Before Jonathan can get Nancy's car started, Billy slams on the gas and starts racing straight toward them. Nancy begins to fire the gun as Billy's car picks up speed, bullets shattering his windshield. Just as Billy is about to collide with Nancy, Jonathan, Lucas, and Will... The Todd father, driven by Steve, smashes into Billy's car from the side. And again, it just reminded me of when Steve shows up with the bat to hurt the Demogorgon and Nancy goes, Steve! <laughs> that was the exact reaction I had. Oh, I love this. I love watching Steve be a hero. Me too. But yeah, okay. Another MVP moment. We love yep. that. Mm -hmm. How did this not seriously injure Billy? anybody 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 really how did the airbags not deploy maybe they didn't have those yet i don't know i don't know either 
but that's a good question yeah i feel like they should have all i mean steve did hit from the passenger side and billy was on the driver's side true and but like still steve and robin at least knew the impact was coming yeah sure brace for impact they they braced themselves at least but billy didn't know although i guess he was kind of braced for impact himself also because True. he was driving straight ahead head on applied directly to the forehead <laughs> <laughs> i still want to know if that worked <laughs> i'm sure we could buy it on amazon we should like antique roadshow this podcast is sponsored by head on <laughs> apply directly to the forehead i just wanted to say that before we move on everybody is showing up in this chapter steve is showing up jonathan is showing up hopper is showing up lucas is showing up mike shows up later when he lunges at billy after billy attacks max and l the only person not showing up is will william william h byers <laughs> h why h what does the h stand for you know what it stands for henry okay all right i buy it okay i just think they did the adrenaline of this moment so well because i like when steve finally crashes into billy i like had tears in my eyes i know it's like i was overwhelmed how did none of nancy's shots actually just hit billy though she was shooting straight at his head yes and the windshield shattered like it yeah which means the bullets probably penetrated yeah you could see bullet holes yeah you're right the adrenaline is so the build-up like you're gasping you can see lucas and will in the back seat like looking at the impending the steve's timing yeah. yeah you think steve was already like booking it and it just I mean, so happened probably right and they probably saw what was happening as they were booking <gasps> it and were like okay brace yourself let's go i hate this i know okay Ooh, steve pants hi daddy <laughs> could watch that over and over yeah that was good as the shock of what just transpired sinks in and nancy looks around in disbelief steve checks on robin who is in the passenger seat of the todd father is she okay he should ask her tomorrow meanwhile billy lays unconscious in the driver's seat of his car as it starts to go up in flames which again what how does he just walk out of that it's just in flames now all of a sudden robin and steve who are still reeling from the crash hear a loud snarl the duo looks up to see the mind flare crawling on the roof of the mall. Just then, Nancy pulls up in her car and tells Robin and Steve to hop in. The group takes off and the mind flare begins his chase. <laughs> if you suffer from arachnophobia, mm. this is just this is just not good stuff. It's rough. Yeah. Like yeah. him him crawling on the top of the roof. Mm. Yeah, this is terrifying. I also just realized, I bet you Billy, like, hustled out of that car real quick because it was on fire. And true. he's he's a he's a flayed boy, so, like, he okay. probably does not like it to be hot. Very true. I just want to point out that Steve and Robin do not appear, appear to be wearing seatbelts. Hmm. There are no the seatbelts. <laughs> yeah. No seatbelts in that thing. Todd Father had them taken out. Yeah. They were really damping his cool vibes. Yeah. He needed those seatbelts gone. Yeah. I think seeing Billy in a car in his car again really just kind of takes us back to Susie. do you copy when he crashes in the first chapter too and it's just like his i I feel we know he's we know he's a piece of shit but his trajectory this season is just so sad like he Mm -hmm. just go like he's crashing in chapter one and he's crashing in chapter eight and it's the same car and he's just he really is victimized yes yeah it's sad it's sad 
how do you think they feel about leaving Max, Mike, and Elle mm. behind? They don't acknowledge it, but they're leaving they're leaving three of their party members behind. And are they aware that Elle doesn't have powers anymore? I don't know. And also, like, Nancy, uh, that's your brother. Right? <laughs> that you just left in Starcourt. Hello? That's a good point. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's just totally glossed over. Yeah, they don't even acknowledge. I mean, my guess is that they don't realize that Elle's powers aren't working. Sure, but like, so they're like, right. Save yourselves. I mean, yeah. Right. Like, I don't blame them for leaving without them, but they don't even acknowledge it. It makes the scene in our part two of them trying to leave through the side gate even more sad because you wonder what what were they were they expecting to see nancy's station wagon out there waiting for them and then they obviously have to hustle and go back inside again but Mm -hmm. like then when they try to leave max l and mike and then there's nobody there for them so Mm -hmm. much leaving and going back and leaving and going back and we're at the mall and then we're not at the mall and then we're at the mall again and then we're not at the mall so much of this (laughs) meanwhile in salt lake city utah Susie finally copies and so does dusty bun <laughs> Susie, <laughs> Dusty Bud. She asks Dustin where he's been, and he begins to profusely apologize. He tells her that he's been busy saving the world from Russians and monsters, and Susie giggles. Of course he has. Erica presses Dustin. Get the goddamn number already. Susie hears Erica on the other end of the radio and gets defensive, but Dustin uses this as an opportunity to switch frequencies, citing interference, so everyone else can hear their conversation. So smooth on Dustin's part, right? I know. Very good. Who's that other woman there with you? Uh, Interference. Meanwhile, (laughs) he needs everybody else to hear the conversation that they're about to have. I know. So I just wanted to take this opportunity to talk about our girl Susie, who is played by Gabriella Pizzolo. Beautiful. She started out on Broadway just like Dusty Bum. I didn't know that. Yeah, she played Matilda on Broadway in 2019, and she also performed in the musical Fun Home, which I have mentioned on here before. You have. Mm Mm-hmm. Really odd. I also discovered that she is from Schenectady, New York, which is very close to where I used to live in New York. Oh, Schenectady. Yes. That took me a long time to figure out how to say (laughs) when I I lived up there. It's also kind of funny that they gave her the last name Bingham, and she is supposed to be Mormon, which, if you are familiar... There is a large university out there called Brigham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, Brigham Young University, which is a Mormon university. I love that little spotlight for her. Yeah, she's awesome. I googled the Wizard of Earthsea. Did you? Dang it! Yeah, so did I. All right, you go. No, (laughs) I have it in the next scene. It's okay. (laughs) All right, I'll go, and then if I mention, if I don't say something, yeah. So. The Wizard of Earthsea is the book that Susie is reading in this scene when we finally arrive at her house. It was written by Ursula K. Le Guin in 1968. And it follows a young boy named Ged who is training to be a wizard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a coming of age story. There are six novels in the series. But Ged ends up working with a mage who attempts to teach him about the importance of balancing one's magic with the reality of the world. And at one point, he accidentally releases an evil shadow into the world, and he spends much of his time trying to stop the shadow from pursuing him. And finally, he is advised by the mage to confront the shadow, don't run away, mm-hmm. rather than flee it. And upon confronting it, he learns that the shadow was really just a fragment of his own soul. Stop it. 
I did not get that. Oh, my God. And rather than defeating it, he integrates it into himself. Stop it right now. <gasps> I did not see that in my Google. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I know. I don't know I what don't. that means for Stranger Things. It might mean nothing. It might mean nothing. But I think if we for like, you know, thinking of Will and Eleven here as our two main peeps, and then the Upside Down being like this shadow realm the veil of shadows and Mm -hmm. the unleashing of a creature in multiple contexts and then finally realizing that that creature those creatures that realm is just a fragment of you and then needing to integrate that fragment into yourself to defeat it don't like that don't like that either (laughs) the question is which of those two would it be a fragment of Mm-hmm. Will or L, and who would need to integrate it in order to defeat it? Unless I, we're talking about Henry. Henry. Right. I also just wanted to mention the author, Ursula Le Guin, actually did pass away while this season Aww. was in production. So people also think that it, it might just be an homage to mm. a very famous fantasy writer. I could see that. And also, like, Harry Potter is a little bit of a ripoff. <laughs> Right? Like a fragment of yourself, a horcrux. Yeah. yeah. Defeat yeah. the He's at wizarding school. He's with there was a there was an adversary, a young boy who like taunts him like a Malfoy type character. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Robin and Steve, who are in the back of Nancy's car, and Hop, Joyce, and Murray, who are still in the bunker, listen as Dustin asks Susie about Plank's constant. Susie is not buying it though. Dustin didn't speak to her for a week, and he's gonna make it up to her right now. She wants to hear it. (laughs) Dustin objects, but Susie doubles down and threatens to sign off if Dustin doesn't concede. She knows her limits. She has her boundaries. Okay. Good. Good on her. Right. In a truly unexpected turn of events, Dustin begins to sing the theme from the never ending story (laughs) to Susie through the radio. As the massive skin spider hotly pursues Nancy's car, Robin and Steve look at each other in shock. Susie has joined in, and the two are now having a full-blown duet. The couple continues to harmonize, and we get an absolutely iconic split-screen view of Dusty Bun and Susie Pooh in pure musical bliss. In the bunker, Joyce all but bangs her head against the wall, while Hop and Murray listen in, completely bewildered. Back in Nancy's car, Lucas and Will stare blankly. As Dusty Bun and Susie Pooh wrap up their duet, Susie finally reveals the code. Plank's constant is 6.626070004. Hop quickly enters the number, the safe opens, and he extracts two keys. That's it. That's the scene. <laughs> Turn around. <laughs> Just, I love the way he starts it. <laughs> he's so shaky. Like, he's like, I cannot believe I'm about to do this. <laughs> the harmonies are so good they are why aren't we doing this why aren't we singing together i'll be dustin you can okay. be Susie. we're not doing this but <laughs> no. like, why aren't we doing this i know right we should have started the episode with a duet we were in choir we I know how we to do, do it. it like i can go alto and baritone yeah. and you can vibe as okay. a soprano like we got this i don't we even want to words all to that no <laughs> sorry i know that you were all looking forward to it i know um, I just think the the MF like pursuing the car. It reminds yeah, it reminds me of <laughs> in VFX when we talked about how they said he looked awkward and he looks awkward he here. He does, but also like why can't this again? Why can't he catch up with a station wagon? <laughs> like, I was wondering that. 
there is nothing one of the best shots of this i think series and maybe i'm like exaggerating because i just love this so much is the view of him through the rear window of Mm -hmm. nancy's station wagon as dustin and Susie are duetting and he's just like stumbling along the road (laughs) behind them like a distance away catch up my my spider-man why is he so slow (laughs) come on pick it up you have a lot of legs at your disposal i know i feel like his strides could definitely be longer for sure he but you're right it does give that like like simba during hakuna matata Mm. when he's like entering that like weird awkward phase (laughs) for just a minute yeah he looks like a like a dog wearing shoes yes yes (laughs) he also looks dwarfed doesn't he look dwarfed he does look a little small yeah like compared to what the hell just broke into the ceiling of the mall right like think about how wide like a two-lane road is Uh uh-huh it's not like yeah he would be like triple the the width of that yeah i don't know so good regardless of the sizing issues it's just it's it's just perfect perfect perfection it's so good the the beeping when hop is pressing the buttons on Mm -hmm. the safe it's the exact same beeping that the keypad lock on my apartment makes oh (laughs) the exact same entering planks constant as your keypad lock that's not that's not it i promise (laughs) please don't break into my apartment Oh, that's so good. I was about to say, that would be a great pin number. I'm it not going to do that. But it's also long. It is. Dustin the- lets Susie know that she just saved the world. Sort of. Sort and of. the two exchange numerous I miss yous, each one growing more and more outlandish. I miss you more multiplied by all the stars in our galaxy. Before Dustin can carry on, Erica, who has had enough of this, turns <laughs> off Cerebro, and Susie is left with nothing but static. Enough. Thank you, Erica. <laughs> I don't have anything to say about this. It's just, I just, the only thing I have is just, I love this show. That's all. That's my note. <laughs> That's it. I just, oh. it just, the one, every time I watch the scene of them singing, it just makes me so happy. And it is so fucking random. <laughs> it is so incredibly <laughs> random and I love it. I know, like, it was, it was pretty polarizing when it came out. People were like, what the hell is this? So I know that. I went through a period of time where I was obsessed with the show The Magicians. And I know you've, like, (laughs) not dabbled much, but there was a continuous trope in The Magicians. In each season, there was a random musical (laughs) interlude. And by this point in time, in 2019, I think I'd already caught up on The Magicians, what was already out. And I remember when this scene came on in Stranger Things, I was like, this just feels like The Magicians, because in season one of The Magicians, they actually do shake it off. Maybe oh. you maybe you should watch The Magicians. Yeah. And then I think in season three, they do Under Pressure, and it's just like this trope that they carry throughout all of this, and this just felt so much like that. What is this random musical interlude, folks? It's giving glee. It is so good. It is just, it's perfect, and I love watching, like, Hopper stand vacantly as the camera zooms out of him on the hall, in the hallway. <laughs> And Joyce just turns. They all just realize, like, this is our best hope right now. Children. Children. This this is the best we can do. This is the the byproduct of relying on a bunch of fucking children. Yes. That's what this is. And if we were still doing that segment where, like, how would this be different in 2023, someone Mm. would have just Googled it on their phone. Yes. Although I don't know if they would have had service in the bunker well no but like maybe dustin could have googled it yeah true well that is where we were we are gonna cut off part one of chapter eight the battle of starcore (laughs) so before we wrap it up let's talk about mvp bitches 
Okay. Sure. Bitchin'. My MVP is Susie Poo. Oh. Yeah. To me, she just she's the one the one person who I mean, everybody did so much except Will, so <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> except who this show is literally about. But Susie does get her name in a chapter. So, you know, Susie Pooh is my MVP for this part one of the Battle of Starcourt. She gives Planks constant. Thank you. How about you? Well, I am I am going to go wild and give it to Jonathan Byers. Oh, I, I am it's... giving MVP oh. to Jonathan Byers for maybe the maybe the first time ever. <laughs> what do you think his acceptance speech would be? I would like to thank the Pixies and R.E.M. <laughs> I was just <laughs> imagining. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah. He he just, he really goes for it in this he chapter. He comes up with so many good ideas and implements them. And mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, sticking his fingers into Elle's leg is more than enough to, to make him MVP to me. Do you think that made Nancy a little, like, jealous? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Jonathan absolutely killed it in this chapter. He was proactive. He was quick thinking and selfless. And we love that for him. He deserves it. He does. Jay Byers. He really was was slept on for a couple chapters in this season, but he made a miraculous comeback in this one. Agreed. How about LVP? Losers? What losers? Will is my LVP. Yeah. I am so sorry, William H. Byers, but you gotta you gotta do something. You, I mean, I know you, but he's been through a lot, right? Maybe he, he was just trying to take a break, summer. <laughs> I don't know. He's really been through it, so fine. But he just doesn't. He just doesn't do any. Like he touches the back of his neck and says he's here while this thing is stomping on the like clearly he's here will we can see that we can hear and both see i'm glad your senses are working just as well as like he didn't need spidey senses for that no he i'm didn't. so sorry will i hope i hope you come back to us me too me too i i thought about putting will but i did already do that like more than once in <laughs> in the past few chapters so Funny enough, I actually said Susie as LVP. Wow. <laughs> because, may- well, okay, Hop, we know, didn't die. But <clears throat> maybe if she had not needed to take a minute and 30 second song mm. break, that might have bought Hop enough time to <gasps> not be captured by the Russians. Or deal with Grigori. Yes. They would have been in the room sooner. Turn in the keys, yeah. And that minute and a half, that minute and 30 Mm-hmm. Gregory was making his way downtown, and he would have been a minute. Yep. Wow. So, sorry, Susie. I know you. It's not your fault. You didn't. You didn't know the stakes. You didn't understand. Susie Poo. That's okay. All right. I like that. That's good. I like that we're opposite. Yeah, that's fun. All right. Well, that is it for part one of chapter eight, the Battle of Starcourt. We will be back next week with part two. Oh my god. Of the Battle of Starcourt and. By the time this episode airs, I will be in Vegas, so I I will look for um, Nina while I'm out there. Yeah, find her. Send okay. me the latitude and the longitude. I will. I'll let you the know. the Nevada desert bunker. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I fun. Will. I'll find it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening once again, and we will see you next week with part two. Oh, my God. Stay strange. Oh, my God. Stay strange. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
Face the mirror of your dreams. 